for authors, artists, writers, copywriters. Bevy's Cottage Formatting and Design is here to help you polish and beautify your book or script and develop a clean professional product ready for print on demand or ebook. Services include book interior formatting, cover wrap design and formatting, copy editing, proofreading, and graphic design. From event posters, banners, book event signage, ebook formatting, even illustration, to back cover blurbs, maps, and chapter header art. I can help you turn your art into a quality package primed for publication, print, and even broadcast. The full list of services and pricing are available on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Feffy's Cottage FD. F-E-F-F-I-E-S Cottage FD. Don't let your good works get dragged down by simple grammatical or visual issues. Come and check out my page today. the introduction this is normally what I do I sit in my closet and do it this way but today we're out in my living room so we're going to see what all we pick up and if you're listening to the podcast right now you're probably wondering what the heck I'm talking about well we are actually live streaming this recording session Uh, So all the audio you guys are going to get is going to be pretty much unedited and uh, just kind of a straightforward me reading to you. So I'm going to say sorry for all the mess ups. Um, Anyways, uh, if you're interested in actually uh, watching this happen, um, we're going to start doing this, uh, you know, every other Monday, kind of like when the show used to release. Um, Don't worry if you're like, hey, you know, I can't hit that time because it's going to be recorded at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And I know that some of you all can't, you know, tune in right then and there. Uh, But, but, uh, you can catch it on Twitch, um, on the replay, and I will be in the process of trying to figure out how to set up the audio. Right now, sorry, checking something. I know it's horrible to have a dead screen right now with a... or dead silence over a microphone while doing a podcast. A little bit different when you're on a camera. Anyways, so without further ado, let's actually do the intro right. This is A Better Utopia, an audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion, read by the author. Dedication. Chapter 18 is dedicated to my Zoe dog. Zoe, you'll never quite know the impact that you had on my life. Um, when I got you after my deployment and all the stuff you did, I mean, you were a dog, so obviously you wouldn't understand what I'm saying, but I'm pretty sure you understood how I felt and you were there with me in dark times. Thanks for being there and rest in peace. Last time on A Better Utopia. 
Finnegan, Gilliam, and Tabitha ventured into the belly of the beast, which is the peppermint pony. Upon venturing in, they stumbled across the love rooms. And unbeknownst to them, Balaam had turned on the rooms as they were traveling through, and they were almost led astray. And so if you're catching in on the podcast right now, we've literally, if you come watch the live stream, have tried doing this three times. Unfortunately, Raya, my new puppy, has decided that she's going to find the most loud, obnoxious toys possible. So um, without further ado, we're going to try this again. If not, I'm going to have to just figure out a way to record. Uh, Like I was telling the live stream, right now I'm about to transition to a new job. I'm not going to have the same ability to put into the effort of podcasting. And my goal is to marry the two of streaming and podcasting. Um, Sorry, guys, if you're watching the Twitch stream right now, you're getting this again. I should have just been recording it on the podcast. But nonetheless, let's try recording the chapter again. My head still spun from the events that had just transpired. I was both lightheaded and in a state of shock of what I had just done. It was strange having a panic attack, but feeling high at the same time. I had to grip the handrail of the stairs that Tabitha was now leading us down to keep from crumbling into a puddle on the floor. I looked over at Finnegan. His eyes, to my best guess, conveyed the same look of horror and confusion my eyes held. He looked tired and less young than when we had entered the peppermint pony. I hated this place and all that it was, and I hated the fact that yet again, Rodriguez had dragged me into more trouble than I ever wanted, but I almost, but most of all, I hated myself for the fact that I betrayed, or at least almost betrayed, Rebecca. My mind quickly snatched away from my self-loathing and what was taking place at the end of the staircase we were walking down. Glowing yellow tubes, two numbers to count, ran along the walls just to the left of the metal door. Some tubes ran from the ground to the roof. Others ran left to right, but were all covered in the middle at the large rectangular metal box on the wall. In front of the box was a dark silhouette of a man pulling the tubes and then spraying his face with a glowing yellow mist. With each burst, the man would giggle like a small child would before, like a small child would being handed a candy. Ah, the smell, the smell is so pleasant. A familiar voice came from the figure, still cloaked in shadows. Lucas? Finnegan's voice spoke out in an uneasy, quiet tone. The figure turned around, and there stood the wire-thin frame of Lucas. His face had a smile on it that was too big and too wide for his face, and his lips were stretched thin as they cracked and chapped and began to bleed. A small trail of yellow snot leaked down out of his right nostril, and his eyes looked cloudy as if locked in a pleasant dream yet still held a strange twitch or tick. My friends, he said with a voice filled with so much joy, you have come to visit me. Look at this place, isn't it beautiful? Lucas, we're at the bottom of Dark Stairwell. What are you talking about? 
I said as a matter of fact. Lucas looked at me and blinked. His eyes were trying to focus in on me. His smile slightly faded as he spoke. What are you talking about? He's huffing misery magic, Tabitha said quietly, almost under her breath. Lucas eyed the girl and smiled big. Who are you, little one? I'm Tabitha, and you should not be huffing that stuff. Her small voice picked up just enough volume to be heard. It's, it's dangerous, especially that concentrated. Lucas's smile shot off his face and was replaced. Lucas's smile was shot off his face and was replaced by a frown. His top lip curved up as if he was a dog showing its teeth. I'm not huffing anything, you little buzzkill. Lucas, I stepped in front of Tabitha as I spoke. Gilliam, when did you get here? Lucas' cheeriness returned in an instant. You gotta smell this. He turned and began pulling, or at least trying to pull the tubes out of the box. It smells like, like the smell of Christmas morning with bacon and coffee and... Lucas, I said forcefully. Where is Rodriguez and Preston? Lucas stopped what he was doing and slowly turned his head. His smile now gone and replaced with a quivering bottom lip. He drug his yellow sleeve across his face and left a yellow smear on his sleeve. I don't know. We were up in the love rooms when some men came in yelling at us that we didn't pay enough. So we ran. They went one way, and I panicked, and I went down the stairs. I think those men got them. A single tear began to run down his cheek. I need another hit. Lucas turned on his heels and began tugging hard this time at the tubes in desperation. Lucas! I grabbed his shoulders and began trying to drag him away, which proved to be more difficult than I thought for such a wiry man. You have to come on. We gotta go. now long pause sorry still trying to read this live is a little difficult guys some words came out of the man but they sounded more like a growl as he planted both feet against the tube wall oh by the way we're not live anymore um i had to cut the feed and now of course everything's perfectly quiet anyways sorry back to the story some words came out of the man but they sounded more like a growl as he planted both feet against the tube wall and pushed back with all of his might sending us both crumpling into the stairwell the back of his head smashing into my nose, causing my eyes to water and a thin trickle of blood to run out from my left nostril. I could feel the air leave my lungs in a gasp as my back bounced off the stairs. They moved. The move had totally caught me off guard as Lucas, from what I know, was a quiet, reserved man. But this was no longer the Lucas I knew. I'm a grown ass man. Lucas's voice came out bitter and full of spite. He pushed himself off of me and began walking to the tubes. And I'll tell you when I've had enough, you dumb, overconfident boy scout. Who the hell are you to tell me anything? You freaking hypocrite, you know that? You and uh, that... Lucas's words went abruptly silent as Finnegan landed a blindside right hook. The smack of the knuckles on his cheek was all that now came from him, and Finnegan must have landed it perfectly because Lucas's body crumpled to the floor. I blinked to clear my eyes and looked up at Finnegan, who looked almost as surprised as I felt at what had just happened. He stared at the body, then his fist, and finally over at me. Our eyes met, and he quietly ran over to me and extended a hand. 
You okay, Rev? Yeah, he just caught me off guard. Damn, Finn, that's twice now. I said, dragging my sleeve across my face in the effort to clear the blood. What do you mean? Finnegan pulled me to my feet. I dusted myself off the best I could. That time in the forest with Miller and now, it's like people forget you're there or something and you very quickly remind them you are still here. Oh, man, don't think I killed Lucas, did you? Finnegan's voice came out shrill and full of panic. I smiled over at the man. No, you just knocked him out like a professional boxer. Did Rodriguez show you that? Finnegan looked at his hand in amazement and disbelief. No, actually, my dad was a boxer when I was younger. He taught me as a kid. Tabitha, you all right? I looked down at the small child. Yeah, I, I got out of the way just in time, said her quiet voice. The sound of a creaking door opening and then closing could be heard from up the stairs. Quickly, uh, go through that door. Someone's coming, she said in a whisper. You're not coming with us? What about finding the rest of our friends? I said back. No, I have to get back to my duties before I'm noticed. I've been gone way too long already. There's probably someone looking for me now, and if I'm caught down here without permission... She trailed off. Come with us, I said. I can't. I just told you. Yeah, come with us. I gave her, Finnegan gave her his best warm smile and I followed suit. No, like, come with us from this place. She looked up at me, her eyes filled with sorrow, and a small tear shined in the yellow light of the tubes as it ran down her dark cheek. I can't. Now go before we all get caught. Finnegan and I picked up the unconscious Lucas as carefully as we could, opened the door, and stepped into darkness. The door slammed behind us, causing Finnegan and myself to jump and almost drop Lucas to the ground. It was unnerving in this room as the darkness was suffocating, and a heavy sense of dread began to creep up my spine, causing the hair on the back of my neck to stand. An overwhelming feeling of I should not be in here flooded my brain. Should we go back? I can't see a thing. Finnegan's voice whispered to me. I looked over in the direction of the voice to my left, but saw only the inky blackness. I don't know. She said that Rodriguez and Preston were in here. I'll hold Lucas. Maybe look for a light switch or something. This place seems fancy enough to run on electric lights. I felt the weight of Lucas's body shift fully onto me as Finnegan's clumsy footsteps drew slightly away. After a few minutes of standing in the silence, my heart was beginning to race. Finn, where are you at? I asked the darkness. Finnegan! The panic began to creep up into my chest and I was becoming harder and harder to breathe like a heavy weight was upon me. I pushed it down into my mind. This whole idea was a horrible mistake and my thoughts raced towards a solution or at least attempted to. I had not moved too far from the door. If I merely walked backwards, I should be able to hit the door easy enough. I could turn around, but I don't want to risk being thrown off by kilt. I don't want to risk being off kilter by the amount of weight that's resting on me. 
I also didn't want to risk dropping Lucas and losing him in the darkness. I forced my feet to slowly and carefully as possible shuffle backwards, dragging each toe to prevent my feet being tangled with Lucas's, and the process felt time-consuming, and sweat began to form down my back, yet it couldn't be much further, I had to tell myself. A loud slam broke the still darkness and caused me to jump, and in the midst of this, I lost my footing, and Lucas and myself toppled to the ground. I knew that the sound, it must have been the door. Maybe Finnegan had found it. Finnegan? I called up from the floor while scrambling to find Lucas. My arms stretched in long arcs, but my hands could only grasp the hard floor. Finnegan, help! I can't find Lucas! The room quickly went black to bright white in a split second, causing my eyes to shield shut in pain. And the sound of rain filled my ears and the scent of wet earth filled my nose. I could feel mud squishing underneath me. Do you enjoy watching people play video games? Do you enjoy watching people make fun of themselves playing video games? What about chatting up with them as they horribly sink yet again to another PvP match? Or do you enjoy occasionally watching them get lucky and actually get a victory? If all this sounds appealing to you, go to the Red Bladed Pirates Twitch stream channel. There you can see me, my friends, attempt to play video games, and attempt to, as the kids now say, get good. Also, you can catch live recordings of the podcast over there and get the audio earlier, get the story earlier. So hop on over to our Twitch stream channel, Red Bladed Pirate, and give us a follow. So, are they in there? Balin asked the trembling girl who cra- who cowered in the back corner by all the tubes. Yes, I let him in there just like I was supposed to. Tap of this tiny voice was barely audible. Good. And how do I turn the room on? Balin began studying the tube wall and its strange metal box. The glow of the yellow light and in- the glow of the yellow light enticed him. He had to fight the urge of ripping out a tube for some strange reason. Tabitha pointed at the box with a small, delicate finger. If you open that box and flip the switch to the right, it'll activate the room. Balaam looked over at the young girl, as if to study some rare creature. How do I not get affected by the magic? You seem to have no problem with the love room. Tolerance and willpower... Tabitha's eyes darted to the ground as her body tensed, expecting a slap or worse, a fist to come flying at her direction. She heard the way it sounded as it came out and she knew she had crossed the line. Balaam, seeing the girl's response in her own words, caused him to chuckle a bit. Not at what she had said, but how delicious it was that she feared him. He reached a hand down and lifted her chin to him. She winced her face at first, but allowed him to do so. I assure you my willpower is far greater than yours. Balaam, all Balaam, uh, Balaam said while holding her face. He looked down at her like a snake would its prey. 
then as long as you remember that you're in a misery room and expect it to probe your mind and defend against it, you'll do all right, sir, Tabitha added, to be more polite. Balaam dropped his hand from her chin. He raised his hand to the box, opened the latch, and then the lead fresco opened it as it hung from its hinges. The anticipation was almost as powerful as the misery magic itself. To finally get his revenge made butterflies dance in his stomach. It was too bad the short Hispanic man was not available to him. But, from what Balaam understood, he was getting his just desserts as well. So, he would have to settle for the red-haired, freckle-faced boy man and the one they called Uliam. Balaam flipped the switch which made an odd click that was ever so satisfying to Balaam's ears. He had kind of hoped that Abigail was here to see him exact his revenge. He had wanted to show her ever so badly, for some reason, that he could do this. He was not sure if he wanted to impress her or to show her that he was far superior to her. Either way, she wasn't here and he needed to focus his will power for what was to come. Balaam turned from the box and looked back at the tiny girl. She had cowered back in the corner and she had found... She had cowered back in the corner that he had found her in and reached... And she began... Man, let me try that again. She had cowered back in the corner that he had found her in when he had reached the bottom of the stairs. He had felt tempted to feel sorry for her only for a split second, but it was survival of the fittest after all. At least for now until he changed it one day. Yet, that was for a different day. Today was a day of revenge, and he didn't have time to feel sorry for some poor, stupid child. He looked back at the door, which was barely outlined in the yellowish glow, and ignored the small sobs of the child in the room. Slowly walked to the door, placed his hand on the knob. What? You're going in there? Are you... I thought... I thought you were just going to watch through the door. Tabitha said through tears. Balaam looked over, glared at the girl. Any feelings of sorry for her were quickly replaced with annoyance. I'm getting my revenge and I plan to enjoy it. Either... Either the words took her off by surprise, or she just decided to be quiet. But the girl was silent now. With his face, he touched the pocket. With his free hand, he touched the pocket that held the vial of dark liquor. The plan was a bit nasty and a bit hasty as well. But he knew he could pull it off. Just thinking about it made Balaam's snake-like smile return to his face. He took a deep breath and tried his best to focus his mind and push open the door. Instantly, the darkness engulfed him, and the slam behind him made him jump. He couldn't see anything at all, and terror flooded in. For a split second, fear rushed into his mind. What if the girl had tricked him? What if she had not led the men in as she had trapped Balaam in this room? The thoughts of fears were about to engulf him when he heard a panicked voice call out in the darkness, Finnegan? Balaam stopped and tried to focus on the direction of the sound. The voice sounded familiar, but distant. Finnegan, help! I can't find Lucas! The voice sounded again, more panicked than before. Balaam smiled in the darkness because he knew this voice. Then a bright white light filled the room, and Balaam steadied his mind and walked forward, his boots now squishing on the newly formed mud. Thank you.
The day had started like any other for Lilith. She had awoken before her sister Rebecca, by the look of things, had had a long night, as she was still sleeping in her clothes from the day before. Lilith got up and just like always placed the blanket her sister and just like always placed the blanket her sister had kicked off of her back onto her. She grabbed the Bible, read a couple chapters, and prayed. All the usual things she had done since she was eleven. However, when she prayed this time, an odd thought kept popping into her head that she needed to follow Uliam and Finnegan today. She decided to push this strange thought down. She certainly didn't mind Uliam. In fact, she very much liked the man. He seemed to treat Rebecca well, and it was nice seeing her sister smile for the first time in, well, as far as Lilith could really remember in the past few weeks. In fact, with everything going on, their relationship seemed to be the happy bit of hope for most of the group, who had taken in the interest in the two's relationship, like it was a dime store romance novel. Now, Finnegan, her feelings on him were more complicated. She liked, liked him, kind of, and liked the fact that he was a little goofy. The time she had just spent with Finnegan as they kept an eye on her brother was enjoyable, yet she wasn't sure if she liked him in a romantic way or just as friends. He had a boy-like charm that was cute, but is that what she wanted in the world like this? A boy? Maybe before everything, but now? That ever since what had happened in Lapis, he had seemed off as well. Not that he didn't have great reason to be. They all had almost died that night fighting the beast. But there was something else there that she could not quite put her finger on. Although it was cute and sweet the way he blushed when Bobby, the surgeon's son, had called him out on his feelings for her. The man had nearly turned as red as Leslie does, which had scored a few points in the light category for him. Lilith got up, dressed herself with a little extra attention to detail than normal, just in case she decided her feelings for Finnegan were in fact like-like, and she did run into him. Tried to stir Rebecca up to see if she wanted breakfast, but it must have been a very long night as Rebecca just waved her off and fell back to sleep. Well, hopefully it was a first good date downstairs if the inn downstairs of the inn resembled much like a saloon set up instead of hard alcohol on the back shelves there were books the inn at one time must have been a saloon also but it was no longer for one reason or another they still served beer and wine to those dining at one of the five tables but the choices was very limited and whatever bottle had been opened last was the one they carted around or they could offer or drink two of the various bottles of beer that they offered. As she was approaching the counter to get whatever was being served for breakfast, she saw the movement of the red-haired faced boy. Red-haired faced boy. The red-haired boy faced man struggling to walk to the door and wake up at the same time. She, about, she thought about saying hi to him, but didn't want to catch him off guard although the temptation of watching him turn red was almost too good to pass up. She liked how nervous he got around her. It was another point in the like-like column. As Finnegan opened the door, as Finnegan opened the door, all to the familiar sounds of Leslie Peterson raging up a storm that could be heard through the door and especially when the door was open. Lilith looked over to see a very... Red Leslie, surrounded by Lincoln, Douglas, and Uliam, and now Finnegan. 
for crying out loud. Anything else anyone wants to tell me? Damn it. Leslie threw up his arms. You two, he thrust a finger at Lincoln and Douglas. You go gather everyone at camp and tell them to get to the train yard. I want those steam tractors loaded and no one is to leave that area. Got it? He then turned to Gilliam, eyes blazing with fury, and was about to say something, but was cut off by Finnegan. Hey, uh, what's going on, guys? Finnegan was wiping sleep out of his eyes. And you two knuckleheads! Leslie pointed at Gilliam and Finnegan. Go get your boy Rodriguez and those other idiots at the Peppermint Pony. Then head straight to the train yard. Nothing else. If a utopian so much as breaks wind around you, I want to know about it. Leslie then whipped around and started walking down the steps. Lilith knew, right then, right there, that her feelings of sticking with Yulium and Finnegan had not been just because of a small back-and-forth schoolgirl crush, but that, by divine charge, she was needing to follow them. Something was lurking in the dark, just like at Lapis, and she needed to be there to help fight it. She quickly turned on her heels and went straight back upstairs, straight to her sister. Rebecca, I have to go follow Yulium and Finnegan, so you will have to look after Jacob while I am gone. A very sleepy Rebecca rolled over and set of two very tired, very blue eyes looked up at her. What? I have to follow Yulium and Finnegan. I'll be back later, Lilith repeated. Is everything okay? Do I need to come? Rebecca's very groggy voice said. Lilith thought for a moment, then decided it was best she did not come. No, you you stay and look after our brother, please. Well, what about his surgery? You should be there too. Rebecca was awake and more aware of what was going on as well. It will all work out. I have to go, Lilla said sternly. Why? Rebecca shot back. God told me to. The door closed quickly behind her. This has been A Better Utopia, Chapter 18, A Journey into Misery, a semi-live slash audiobook podcast written and produced by Counterculture Rebellion. So the plan is moving forward, guys. I will set an actual date for these live episodes, and you guys could tune in on Twitch at red underscore bladed underscore pirate, and you can watch me live as I read and work on the podcast. The great thing about Twitch is that you guys can interact with me. You can send messages. I can talk to you back and forth. And so my goal with it is to kind of, like I said before, marry these two things together. That way I can accomplish both the Twitch stream and creating a podcast. Plus, I think this will be a really good way to make it more interactive and be able to talk with you guys. Now, I know that 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time is probably not the best time for everyone. So... If you can't catch it, you can always go and rewatch it on Twitch. And then eventually I'd like to figure out how to get this transferred over to oh, YouTube. So that way it lasts longer. I guess on Twitch, most of the streams only last about 14 days. So there is a little bit of the live stream on there. You get to see my goofy looking self. And uh, you get to experience what it is like I, when I'm trying to record. Whether it's dog noises, kid noises, or just noises in general. Um, it's all live for you to see. So I hope you go check it out and do me a huge favor, guys. If you go over to my Twitch channel and just hit follow, 
Um, it would greatly help me out. I am 25 followers away from making affiliate and it would be greatly appreciated. So looking at the calendar, next episode, well, at least next audio episode will be the 25th. However, if you tune in on Twitch, the 23rd at 8 p.m., of course, this could change. I might have to move it to a different day, so I will make sure to announce it. Definitely check the Facebook page too, guys. I'll create an event on there. Um, you can catch it and get the story before it's put on on the podcast. So that's a little you know, reward for going over and giving me a follow on Twitch. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for just sticking with this podcast. The last few months have been crazy. My goal with doing the stream and stuff is to be able to maintain this podcast, make it more fun, make it more interactive. Um, there'll probably be some less editing. It'll probably be a little more raw, but honestly, I'm about to switch to a new job. Um, so I don't know what kind of time I'm going to have to be able to make the edits and stuff, but I'm going to do my best and try to still produce a great quality product for you guys. Cause you guys deserve it for sticking with me this long. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for going over and tuning into Twitch and I will hopefully talk to you guys the 23rd.